0: Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening. Joining me from Las Vegas, Nevada. I think it's the 20th Las Vegas Summer League because I think they didn't have one during the pandemic. But whatever it is. It's Tim Bontemps.
1: Hello, I believe it started in like, 2004 because I looked this up earlier. It's something I was talking about, Victor Wambanyama. So no, i oh, okay. close to 20. Wee wee. Oui, oui.
0: <laughs> and from down the street, I don't think they're staying at the same place because they can't stand being in the same no. building. It's Ben McMahon.
2: ban McMahon. Ben McMahon. I'm the baddest dude in all the land. I got Texas blood. Wow. Ben this is blood. terrible. I'm Ben McMahon. And that. Howdy partners, I was like, listen, a fan loudly requested during a break and play in the Spurs Blazers game tonight that the band McMahon theme song returns. So I took matters in my own hand. He also shouted out Bond Timps and said, Hey, Bond Timps, keep pissing Windhorst off. I love it. So these that's are true it. Live
0: shows canceled. These I'm are sure, true statements.
2: Oh no, no, no. YouTube comments were very much in favor of the live show.
0: I didn't see. Is that true? Yeah. It
1: is true. There's a lot of comments um, here in here in Las Vegas on the ground about excitement about uh,
0: live shows. On so. the ground. There's also Careful one that on called ground,
2: A Plain Old Rice Cake with Arrogance, which is
0: interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that one was not shared with me before. That's uh that's that's quite the take.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. All right. Well, the reason we're doing this um so late is uh we wanted to have these gents and I watched it too. Let's see Victor Wembanyama play his second. What did they did they say after the game this was it? Uh, uh they said, he was, we will
1: see. He was asked by our Andrew Lopez what his plans were for the rest of summer league, and he essentially said, I gotta talk to Pop about it. So that's we'll see. that that's French for this is it.
0: <laughs> yeah. By the way, how about okay? I don't think I don't I can't say that I have a complete history of this type of thing, but teams have Largely, not largely, but teams have begun mm-hmm. not announcing contract extensions for coaches or general managers all the time, especially if the coach or general manager is mm-hmm. entrenched. They don't want anybody to know when their contracts are coming up. Um, I don't remember the last time Greg Popovich, where it was announced that it, um, like with a press release, yeah, that he signed a contract extension. I almost want to say I've never seen it in the 20 years I've been covering the NBA, but that's probably not true. But at the very least it's been longer than my memory goes. And not only that, almost never. It's happened a few times where they will say the amount of years that a coach right. has in a contract extension, but that is quite rare. Yeah. Um, five even years. more rare. They announced in the, <laughs> it's a five year contract extension.
1: Well, they announced and it right. In. They announced it right in conjunction with Adam Silver's big announcement for his pet project, the in season tournament, which I am just going to say that I do not believe is a coincidence that they did it at the same time.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to say that. The NBA well, Cup.
2: Hey, and it, they also announced it soon after Vic had a really uncomfortable to watch, disappointing Summer League debut, which, you know, maybe that's also a way to. Take a little attention off the fact that he struggled, just not that they're concerned about it, but like the way the world doesn't need to be on uh, a, a teenage kid's shoulders and make it clear that, hey, Pop is going to be with Victor Wembanyama through his rookie contract.
0: Yeah, Pop's contract's longer than Victor's. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: $80 million, so, too, Woj reported, and that is, you know, money More Woj, than $80 Okay, well money. Money Williams reset the market, and then, and then Pop reset it again.
0: Well, Steve Kerr has one year left on his contract, and I don't know if that extension is going to get announced, but uh, I'll bet he was very interested to see his buddy Pop get mm-hmm. that come out there. Um, the Spurs never leak or announce data no. like this, and they did. And that is fascinating on a number of fronts, um, including anybody who thought Pop was going to coach one more year and hang it up. But let me just say in, in talking to people from the Spurs organization over the last couple of years, and maybe this was their party line, maybe they knew more than they were allowed to say or whatever. But when I talked to people from the Spurs organization, they would say, we think he's, we don't think he's leaving, but we don't know. Yeah. You know? So now there's a bunch of clarity. And it was in big bold type in my email inbox, all caps. Greg Popovich <laughs> signs five-year contract extension. I was like, okay, wow. wowzy. And,
2: and then in parenthesis, it says, so stop asking.
0: Right. <laughs> well, the thing about it was at the conclusion of uh the Olympic uh gold medal, when he won the gold medal with Team USA in Tokyo, he kind of made some comments that made uh, Mike finger from the San Antonio express mm-hmm. news was one of the American reporters over there. And like, you know, it was, it was this, all this relief and satisfaction and, you know, they, they had struggled. Remember they lost the first game to France and um, they had struggled in the world cup a couple mm-hmm. of years prior. And so it was relief more than anything. And he was like, I don't even know how I'm going to go on and go back and coach the NBA after this. And, he came off the podium cause it's very tightly controlled the uh, inter- interviews and in that you're only allowed to ask so many questions. And like literally Mike finger and I like ran up to him and we like, did you just, you're not retired. You're not, you know, like, like it wasn't clear. Like yeah. we, we were so kind of on edge about it. So, um, anyway, back to women uh, you guys were there tonight. Um, what were the final numbers? 27 points and 12 rebounds. Is that the final number? Ooh.
1: 27 12 and three blocks I believe let me uh double that's check correct that. uh 9 14 shooting hit a couple threes and went seven for 12 from the line so certainly much like this is this is what you expected from
2: him you know the other night was just he was totally out of sync offensively now he did like you know he swatted everything in sight except for the lob that uh Kai Jones threw down over his head um but you know this is the kind of performance you expected from a guy who We've typed up is the uh, the best prospect since LeBron.
0: Bon temps.
1: Yeah, I mean, look. When we talked on the, the the pod the other day, going into the weekend, I said I wasn't really interested in how he did from a stat standpoint in these games because I was just looking mm-hmm. forward to seeing him play. And I think to me, the the best thing that could have happened to Victor Wembanyama in the Spurs was for him to be terrible in his first game because there was so much hype and so much build up and so much attention on him. And uh, he's going to be the greatest prospect of all time. He's going to come in here and dominate right away. And if he'd had the 27.12 rebound game on Friday, that would have only shot up to like a thousand. Mm -hmm. Right. And like McMahon said, it was sort of uncomfortable to watch on Friday. You know, the crowd was sort of like willing him to try to do something. There were some boos throughout the game. Like, Everyone was just sort of like we we're supposed to see a show, and the show didn't happen. So now a, what? Lot, a lot of murmuring. Yeah, it was yeah, it right. was interesting, but then today, you know, you saw him in the second quarter. He blocks his uh, countryman Ryan Repairs' three pointer right in front of their agents, mm-hmm. sitting there with uh, Victor's father Felix, and then he goes down great and guy,
0: great guy. Makes a
1: he is a very nice man. They then went down and um, you know Victor. Takes a frankly terrible shot because does his between the legs dribble, his fall away fading shot, like shouldn't have had any chance to go in, but it drops in. And from then on, his confidence shot right up. Yeah, he got a couple, dunks a couple of after dunks, that. Mm-hmm. And then he was off to the races and he looked confident again. It was sort of like you could sort of see the pressure of like, oh, hey, I finally got something to go. And then he looked like himself again. And I think those yeah. two games, it's probably going to be a lot like what his rookie year is going to be like. There's going to be some games where he looks out of sync and lost and doesn't really know what to do. And, you know, talking to some Spurs people, you know, their guys were still trying to figure out where to play with him on the court and like yeah. what the right spacing was. And like he hadn't really done anything the past few weeks, obviously. So there was some rust to knock off in that first game. But there's going to be moments of brilliance like we saw for large stretches of the game today. And there's going to be moments where he looks like a fish out of water like he did. most of the game on Friday and I think everybody just has to remember he's a 19 year old kid who is going to need some time to adjust but obviously has truly immense potential
2: yeah some time to adjust some time to mature uh physically and I just think need to tone down expectations like if this guy doesn't average 25 points a game next year it's not a disappointment right like you know, the, the the comps to Kevin Durant, those might be a little ambitious, but let's also remember, teenage Kevin Durant as a rookie averaged 20 points on 43% shooting and 29% from three. It's not like he just, you know, was a 50-40-90 guy, uh, you know, r- right out of the shoots in the NBA. You know, I, I don't know if Victor, like, I, th- I just don't, I think we might have gotten a little carried away with the idea that you know, Victor's going to be a guy who you get him the ball, you space the floor, he goes to work. I think, and and Bondemps and I were talking about this. I think he's going to be much more of a finisher than a creator. You know, a, a a catch and shoot, a lob guy, attack closeouts than than maybe a a guy who does a lot of isoing, uh, which is fine. Like you can be that guy and still be a phenomenal scorer. Um, I think that. Point guard play is going to be absolutely critical to Victor's success with the Spurs. And they brought Trey Jones back. looks like he'll start this year. and we'll see how that looks moving forward. Um, but again, did to, to, to expect this guy to come in and, and look like prime Kevin Durant right off the bat at seven foot four, that's asking too much.
0: Well, the one thing I will say that he brought over from the French League or tried to bring over is that he really wants to put the ball on the floor and create his own shot. Yeah, He really, uh, really yeah. wants to do that. Yep. And, you know, you can tell he's worked real hard at that low dribble. He crouches down and crosses over and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's not going to be as easy as it, I mean, not that it was easier in the French League, but that's going to take some work. He is. Was, yeah. I mean, he, he does have handles like he's mm-hmm. not. You know he's definitely got got it going. He can create yeah. his own shot, but the standard in the NBA for what you need to do that is higher than what he's used to.
2: And you know so. what, Chet Holmgren's very very similar in that regard. These are guys at seven foot one, seven foot four, three and a half, whatever, who have extraordinary handles for their height. But extraordinary handles for your height and being able to, you know, ISO in against team defense in the NBA is is too you know, like you need more than just extraordinary handles. And, you know, Chet has, has had, I think it was, it's either nine or 11 turnovers in three games, including six in one game in Salt Lake city. And, you know, talking, uh, when he talked out for his game the other day, he acknowledged, like, he's got to he's, he's learning, Hey, when can I be aggressive off the dribble? When do I need to move the ball and and just, you know, find another way to make a play and basically, look driving those guys can't be driving into traffic. you know the way Chet put it was you know when you're five out and they've got two guys on the elbows like that's not the time to try to put the ball on the floor and make the play. And I think both of them in half court, if if, if they if they don't have a shot after three dribbles, I think I think they need to move the ball. You know, this six seven eight dribbles you're mm-mm. I, I don't think that's going to be their game certainly early in their careers and and, and maybe ever. Well, and I the other I thing think I'm going to say oh Kevin
0: Durant, I believe it took him 5 or 6 years before he have he had more assists than turnovers. Yeah. And I know that ball handling with the with the with the handle isn't the same as making a pass, but the point is Durant's ball skills took a long time to get to where they needed to be. And by the way, once he developed mm-hmm. those ball skills, particularly where he could put the ball on the floor and get to the line, because that's where he went supercharged as a scorer. Yeah. Um, like I said, it took six. I think five or six. It years. was.
2: A, I just looked it up. It was his sixth NBA season. Yeah. I happened to have his basketball reference page up because I did look up his first. Was year that the numbers. year he
0: won the MVP, or was that, it was probably the year to finish top three of the MVP yeah. for the first yeah. time? Yeah. Well, don't worry about looking that up. Well, I'm so sorry. I about look
1: it, like so. stats and info. So, <laughs> uh, it, it, you're you're certainly right about that. And he's going to obviously get better with that stuff in time. He also is like five inches bigger than even Kevin Durant. So we'll see mm-hmm. and could even grow more. So we'll see if it's even really something you could feasibly do at that height to dribble around. I think even more than point guard play, I think the biggest thing for the Spurs is going to be figuring out both the kind of players to put around him to make him succeed and how to play with him yeah. on the court. Cause he is just such a unique specimen as a player and the different things he can do it's not as simple as like oh yeah you can run certain actions for him and like you I think they really are going to have to create an ecosystem around him that makes the most sense and I think it is going to take some time to do that though some of the young wings they have like Keldon Johnson and Jeremy Sohan and Devin Vassell I think are all guys that are pretty good fits early on
0: you guys did get to hear by the way, Sohan gave an interview during the game to Cassidy Hubbert. It was spectacular.
1: What do you have to say?
0: Sohan's, Sohan's well, an was, interesting guy. Well, Sohan I think is going to become a little bit more known now that the Victors on his team. He's he a very interesting guy, but he was talking about um some of the stuff that Pop does at you know mm-hmm. practice and stuff including he was talking about uh, his technique on defensive slides. So, um Excellent in-game interview. But anyway, I think you're right. You know, the interesting thing I saw, I mean, look, they've, they're they barely running any offense. I mean, Summer League is awful. But, like, they were attempting to get him the ball in space. Yeah. Um, like you would doing, do with, with a high-volume wing player, quite frankly.
2: Yeah, and he's starting a lot of possessions down in the corner, and then they're running action where he starts in the corner and then, you know, comes up to the wing, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, I'm curious exactly – how Sohan is going to fit into the Spurs rotation at this point because they've made it very clear. Victor Wimbanyama is not a center. He's listed as a forward, not a forward think, center. Yeah. But yeah. so Sohan played all of his minutes at the four, but he is a guy, you know, he can put it on the floor. The big question with him is can he shoot it? Um, Draymond has been the the most common comp that you hear for him. But do they start Zach if they're starting
1: Zach Collins at center, Vic at the four? Are they starting? Sohan? Yeah, I think Sohan's. I think Sohan's coming off the bench. Yeah. They're going to start Devin. Vassell they and love Kelton Devin Johnson Vassell. And,
0: yeah. Devin Vassell might be the second most untouchable player on the roster after, but Victor. They yeah, love him. I mean, yeah, you know, Vassell's Kelton
1: good Jones and
2: scored twenty some odd game last year, not extraordinarily efficiently, but.
1: Yeah, my guess is they're starting five will be Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Vic, and and either Zach Collins or if they get another center. That guy at center would be my guess. And Sohan kinda, come off the bench.
2: It would be kind of fitting to have Sohan come off the bench because Pop has compared his competitive spirit to Mono Ginobili, who obviously was one of the great six men of all time and uh, certainly for the Spurs was a huge part of the dynasty coming off the bench.
1: The other guy has been compared to is Boris Diaw, who was a guy who certainly had a lot of success coming off the bench um, for San Antonio also. Um, in his time there. But yeah, the other thing that stood out too, because I was at Victor's postgame press conference, I just continue to be very amused and amazed at the way he approaches the media and talks about both himself and just his overall confidence. He had a quote, he got it. The first question he got asked in the press conference was about Greg Popovich signing his extension. And mm-hmm. what did you think of him signing the extension? Here's what he said. Of course it's just another sign from him and from the franchise that they care about the project. There's something great going on that's starting and we kind of we kind of knew it meaning the extension was going to happen, but now let's get it rolling. We can start now. Like he and he uses like Victor I've been in a couple things with him now media wise. Like he talks about himself like as the grand project and like, this is what we're (laughs) doing. He's not bashful. He's not bashful at all. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Like, it's almost more amazing to hear him talk like this than even to watch him play. Cause I've said it before on the pod, he says these things and they could easily come off as arrogant Mm -hmm. and seeming like kind of a jerk the way he talks. But when you listen to him, it never comes off that way. He's like, Oh yeah, this is what, you know, we're, Doing something great here. We're going to get started. It's going to be fun. Like, it's just, it's really fascinating. Like, especially in a second language. Like, the whole thing is just, he's a really, really impressive guy all the way around.
0: Yes. I think he's affable, right? That's, is that the word you just used? He's hes affable. And the way he says it is, uh, yeah, you're right. And he does do that. And he's very confident. And so, by the way, is Chet Holmgren, Uh, who doesn't do as much media and isn't as smooth but is also very, very confident in himself. Mm-hmm. So I saw that our old our old friend, uh, Michael C. Wright from NBA.com, <laughs> I was thinking about his middle name, which is Corleone, which is one of the great names I've ever heard in my life.
2: It actually stands for country, because he is country. Wichita <laughs> Falls, Texas.
0: <laughs> Proud Texan. Anyway, he uh, I don't know if this is common knowledge, but he's the one I saw say it that um, Victor was invited to the um, Fanatics... Uh, NBA Players Association party on Saturday night, but skipped it because he wanted to get extra sleep and rest bef- before his game on Sunday. Uh, and that made me smile for two reasons. Number one, that you know, I wrote the story—the first Wembenyama story I wrote about the the, the lead mm-hmm. of the story was how him and his his uh, trainers really wanted to get ten to twelve hours of sleep at night. I doubt that's been happening recently, but um, <laughs> so he's 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 trying at least.
2: More Hoop Collective Podcast after this.
0: Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team every season is hypnotic and tequila season hypnotic liquor bardstown kentucky 17 percent alcohol by volume hypnotic reminds you to think wisely drink wisely vivid seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person and the best part each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with vivid seat rewards score unbeatable perks like free tickets surprise seat upgrades and annual birthday deals As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code hoop. That's code hoop. H O O P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats experience it live. The second thing is because I know that Michael Rubin, who runs Fanatics, CEO of Fanatics has been in the, uh, in the news recently because of his of his uh, white party in the Hamptons. Mm. He had another party, uh, this time in Vegas. Uh, Michael Rubin was at Victor Wembenyama's lottery party. Mm. <laughs> you know, there was like, you know, six, like I said, 60 people there. It was hard to get in. Um, and Michael Rubin was there.
1: I'm not sure there's um, a room in the world that Michael Rubin can't get in if he doesn't <laughs> right. want to at this point. Right.
0: So. Yeah. But so, you know, he, you know, the reason he was there is I think he was signing Victor. I don't think it's been announced, but I, I think that's what was going on or like getting certainly close to trying somebody. to. Yeah. Um, I kind of got the impression that he had because he was sort of brought into the inner circle. Um, but uh, be that as it may, Victor still said no to his party, which I, I liked. I liked well, um,
2: you know, who else probably liked that a whole lot? The poor Spurs security guard, the, the security chief. Right, because if there's yeah, another, let's then if yeah. there's another incident in Vegas and the guy's like, "Oops, I did it again."
0: Or <laughs> we may have to stop this pod.
1: <laughs> even for you, that was bad. <clears throat> That's Come saying on. something. Come on, that was great. even for you. I'm proud even of myself. You. <laughs> he
0: he couldn't. His face. It was uh It he, was he could he couldn't, he couldn't wait
1: of the moment. Well, the IT department was here in Vegas this weekend, and McMahon McMahon was explaining how he showed so Get much restraint and. Now he's he's proven he couldn't hold it any longer. So she left. I have no. I have no now all the all the guardrails are gone. <laughs> That's right. The guardrails are gone. Just glad we're able to even do the pod. We're able to she get went him home, on, on God, the Wi-Fi. She went
2: home and she was elated that uh, her favorite NBA player, actually second favorite NBA player, was on the flight. Who was that? I'm not saying. Am I allowed to say? She, she no, because oh, okay. she loves this guy because he's handsome. So I ain't giving him. I'm not oh, saying her favorite's God. Giannis. I'm not telling you a second. Well, favorite. who would
0: have been flying to Dallas? Man, I mean, we, should, not, we should.
2: I'm not saying. Should, you are you, on the. You might be on the right track. Nice guy, <laughs> but I ain't down with the wife route. JJ
0: Berea. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it ain't Jose Juan. <laughs> it ain't me, amigo. Uh,
0: all right, so you guys have watched a bunch of games. Uh, what are some of the stuff from Summer League before we go go on to some other business that you've seen over these first three, four days of Summer League? Go ahead, Jenny. So
2: you know we've we've hit on Chet a lot because obviously I saw him in Salt Lake City summer league, um, so I'll, I'll move on to the guy who was picked right after him last year, and you don't see number three overall picks who started seventy nine games playing in the next year's summer league that often these days. But uh, Jabari Smith is, and we'll see how much longer he goes, um, but he he has been playing out here and. You know, I thought he he had a great quote where he said something along the lines of we were 22 and 60 last year. <laughs> like, you know, I need to play, I need to work, you know, that sort of a thing. And, you know, had had a 30-point performance in the first game where he hit that buzzer beating three uh to beat the I believe it was the Blazers. Yeah, because both Scoot yes. and um, yeah, it was, Scootin, ma- it was and Thompson both got hurt, which you know, that's part of the bummers. We've had some high profile rookies go down early. Uh, and then this last game, it was supposed to be Thompson versus Thompson, the Battle of the Thompson Twins. But Amon was out, and that obviously was a bummer. But then Jabari Smith Jr. put on a show, had 38 points, seven rebounds, six assists. He was basically playing point center, and he was he was, you know, down there banging with some dudes who are big, you know, athletic specimens in Jalen Duran and uh, James Wiseman. But his 38 points, like, this dude was bringing the ball up the floor, making plays off the dribble, doing stuff I didn't know he had, and I don't think he had in his game last year. I think this guy has – you know, you're seeing the work that he's done since the Rocket season ended in April. I mean, he had a couple, like, really smooth, pretty off-dribble turnarounds, like the double teams coming, turn baseline away from it, a beautiful uh, and-one finish where – he beats Wiseman off the dribble and comes up and reverse layup on the other side. Um, he hit a step back on Wiseman because there was some chirping going on. He hit a step back on Wiseman and did a whole bunch of barking. You know, the the, the Pistons guys, you know, the players sit courtside. Uh, as he's running by them, he had a whole lot of things to say. He said, I can't tell you what I said. If I was mic'd up, they would have had to, to bleep it, basically. But he said, I'm pretty sure they'll remember when we play them this year. So – Super impressed with uh, with Jabari Smith Jr. is one of the big
0: he also players. likes to play center. He's one of these guys, you know, we talked about Victor not wanting to play center. Obviously, yeah. he's you know, uh, Shen Goon is going to be their center, but like Jabari likes to play center, doesn't shy away from those minutes, mm-hmm.
2: and you know, also that gives them flexibility in their matchups. And the, like when they drafted him, he was considered a special defensive Prospect, You know, a guy who was, would fill out physically, but like you said, could could bang once he filled out, but very switchy, extremely long, you know, uh, basically kind of the projection for him was Rashard Lewis with all defensive potential, right? So like kind of a catch and shoot 6'10 guy with all defensive potential, by the way, I think he's 6'11 now. I do think he grew an inch. Apparently Alpi Shingun grew at least an inch, maybe two. Um, and again, like just the stuff he was doing off the dribble today was pretty eye-opening as far as uh, significant
1: development coming off his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, the, Concepts, uh, the, the, what did you seen? The two guys that really stood out to me, it was from that Portland-Houston um, game on Friday. It was Scoot mm-hmm. Thompson and Ahmed Thompson, or Scoot, Scoot Henderson and mm-hmm. Ahmed Thompson. They were both awesome. And they were going at it the whole game, guarding each other until they both got hurt. Scoot hurt his shoulder in the third quarter. And then Ahmed sprained his ankle in the fourth. He's not going to play against summer league. Scoot might. But if you watch that game, like if I'm Portland and Houston, I'm really fired up. I mean, Scoot got wherever he wanted on the court, was able to get into the lane.
0: He looks so comfortable.
1: Both of them did. That, That was the thing that really stood out to me about both of them. They both got wherever they wanted. Scoot. Obviously, he's a big physical guy. Anybody who sees him walk around could see that. But he got yeah. into the lane, was able to kick kick out for shots. His jumper, he hasn't made a lot of shots. Like, obviously, he's not shooting 40% with the night last year. But his percentages went up a bunch from his first year. His shot looks fine. Like mm-hmm. He doesn't have some kind of hitch or anything. It's a smooth release. I was talking to Garrett Temple about it actually yesterday. I saw him somewhere. Um, longtime NBA vet, and we were talking about those guys. Like, he was saying the same thing like, Scoot's shot looks per- perfectly good. Like, I think he's got the potential to be a, a very good jump shooter once he gets going and sort of, you know, gets the reps in. And everything else about him is there. Like, he was making defensive plays. Like I said, he was making plays on offense, kicking the ball around. He was everything as advertised, like we thought coming in, but maybe more impressive to me was Ahmed Thompson. I mean, I'm not watching overtime elite i didn't yeah, I, don't know play, I don't know his right. game i don't know right i knew his game because i you know i obviously heard jonathan gavoni talk about him and i read about him and i knew what he could do in theory which is a 6-7 playmaking guard you, you know big time athleticism you go oh man that's quite a package right then you watch him play and he it was the He's same the thing more
0: offensive of the two Azur is the more yeah. defensive of the two. Is that uh, correct? Yeah, in my I would
1: say I would say he's the better ball handler. Um, yeah. the, uh, they've Azour's both got made more some
2: passes, that. boy. Uh, Azur has yes. made some beautiful passes.
1: Yeah, it's uh, I'm in. I'm in. I would say it's more of the point guard, and Azur is more of a wing. Yeah. But but watching him play, like it reminded me of watching Lonzo Ball play, or like when you watch Lonzo at UCLA he was always under control. Like he'd be flinging the ball ahead and they'd be playing fast paced and moving the ball around, but he always was making the right play and he never looked rushed. And that was the thing about Thompson that was so impressive in that game Friday. He's going back and forth with scoot, they're guarding each other, they're going up and down. And he's just, he wasn't trying to like take over the game. If a guy was open, he would just make the simple pass to the wing. Like it was, it was just, it was really, really impressive. And like, I'm Houston coming out of this weekend with the way Jabari played with the way Thompson played on Friday with the other young guys, they've got adding Fred van Lee, like Houston's going to struggle next year. They're probably not going to be that close to a playoff spot, given how tough the West is mm-hmm. from a depth standpoint. But I think it's been a great weekend for the Rockets. And I think there's a lot for them to be excited about moving forward with this group. Cause I mean, it just, the, it looks like they've got some real pieces to work with and, you know it's going to be fun to see how they grow next season
2: you know the thompson twins athletic comp is is jalen brown i mean they have nba bodies and explosive mm-hmm. athleticism obviously the big question for both of them is going to be the jump shot i mean we've seen a lot of guys including lonzo ball develop yep. uh, jump shots in the nba there will not be a single time in their rookie season where somebody goes over a screen against them on a pick <laughs> You know, like we can go ahead. Certainly and wouldn't think so. We can go ahead and bank on that right now. But if they develop jump shots, like they've, they've got a chance to be really, really good. Uh, another rookie, and I only saw this, I only saw the fourth quarter of the of the Pacers' uh, Vegas opener, but uh, it's pronounced Jarris, correct? Jarris Walker, yep. Jarris Walker. I was really, really impressed with him. And he looks like a pass rusher. 6'8, 249. And you immediately just looking down on the floor, you see, my God, this guy's arms are long. Seven foot three-inch wingspan. Um, and you know, he's another guy like the comps, Draymond Green. Like, what is he offensively? Uh, more of a playmaker than a scorer. You know, this game, eight points, 13 rebounds, five assists, and I saw three of the assists. They were all really pretty passes, like, you know, vision, just creating, not just like moving the ball, but like creating off the dribble and making a play for his teammate, you know, getting guys uh, layups and dunks. Um, you know, one of them was it was in the open floor. Like for a guy that big, looked really explosive and athletic. I had a spectacular block shot that was like a big-time clutch play in that game. Uh, yeah, I tell you, that Pacers team, you know, the, the, with Halliburton, with Matherin, with, uh, you know, the, this guy coming Bruce, along, Miles Bruce Brown. Strong. Yeah. I, I think that, that the Pacers team, I'm talking more like long term. They're starting yeah, they to just got
0: they just got Obi Toppin for next to nothing. I know Obi yeah. Toppin's been underwhelming, but he's a big time athlete.
2: Well, and you know what Obi Toppin might be really good at doing? Playing with a center can. and Miles Turner who can space the floor and run and pick and roll with one of the best playmakers in the NBA, a guy named Tyrese Halliburton. Like, say, whatever you think of him, the man can, can jump and catch a lob pass and throw it down. Um, yeah. So, But like I said, Jairus Walker, I only saw a quarter, but right away I was like, I see why this guy was a, you know, mid-lottery pick for sure.
1: Yeah.
0: They were pleased that he was there. For him, it was on. Un- it was hard for them to, they were at seven, I believe. It was hard for them to yeah. predict, and they were going to be there,
2: yeah. they and they were able to actually move down. I forget what they got in the deal, but they moved down to eight, but yeah, certainly a part cover that is the Wizards were calling, was like, Who are you picking? Okay, <laughs> not our guy, fine. We'll, we'll make this deal,
1: yeah. Got a couple seconds. Um, to, the Wizards went up and got of Bali, and they got Walker. The other thing to say, too, is pretty rough week for Brandon Miller, um, combined. Nine for thirty-two from the field in the two games here was not much better in Sacramento. Yeah. Um, look, I, like I said about Victor before the games this weekend, I'm not reading a ton into rookies at in summer league, but it's going to be very interesting to watch the development of him going forward, and Scoot Henderson in particular, but also Amin Thompson. And like you watch those three guys play this week, and while Brandon Miller is intriguing, and he certainly has a lot of upside. I would feel better about those other two guys. And, you know, let's, it'll be interesting to see what that well, looks like. Look, Charlotte's team I, is a mess. They're not, they, they're, the roster isn't very, like, it, it's not a great situation overall, probably for him, but it's something to monitor going forward, I would say.
0: Well, look, I, I've said before, he's, he's a prototypical modern NBA player. His size can shoot, not, maybe not this week, but he can shoot the decision that Charlotte had in front of them was potentially monumental.
2: Yeah.
0: We'll see how it plays out. I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm not pretending to know how it's going to play out, but the decision was monumental in my view, choosing between those two players. And that's that's not my opinion for based on my evaluation of players, that's what people were who I trust were telling me. Mm-hmm. Is that that they were saying they would have had a hell of a time in that spot choosing. And that they would have been hard for them not to take Scoot. We'll see. Might end up being a brilliant move. Mitch Kupchak has built championship teams before. I'm not second guessing. I'm just saying is big. Um, speaking of deals and moves, um, over the last few days, as the moratorium has lifted, the signings and trades have come in, and it's been an opportunity to get a look at the details. And so I went through all the contracts <laughs> that have.
2: I love how different the details are than what uh, you know. What what sources say? <laughs>
0: that's true. Some of them go in, in in either direction. By the way, I, do
1: you mind if I start with one you don't have written down there? I think Brian, go on. I want to ask McMahon, How did Dylan Brooks get this extra money?
0: Okay, well hold on. I do have it written down here.
1: Oh, it is yeah. there. So I didn't think. I think the first I didn't think yeah. it was. I didn't think okay. it was. I didn't think it was out yet. So I apologize. Uh,
0: this is where I was going to start. So let me just say this. So first off, a uh, hat tip to Bobby Marks, who collects his data for us. And it's incredibly valuable. Bobby is, and we have some very interesting things in here, including some contracts. That's guarantees are a lot less than um, not a, you know, significantly less Damn, than yeah, what the chunk of change
2: is. less for sure.
1: I'll take, the, okay. I'll take the contracts. <laughs> I,
2: Hey, I, I, I take Brooks. just the incentives on these deals. The one better. Oh, yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. You ain't lying.
0: Dylan Brooks can give the middle finger to anybody at least until the start of the season because he got over on everybody, no matter what anybody wants to say, no matter what anybody that played against him or whatever. Yeah. And you can judge whatever he's got dudes he got. So when it, let me just say the contracts that the Rockets signed, Jeff Green, according to the paperwork, I, I find this stunning, but this is what the paperwork from the NBA says. Two years, $16 million, $0 guaranteed. Zero. It says it's non I almost think that's a typo, so I'm just hmm. going to put that. Yeah, but it's interesting. The, the, the paperwork says $0 guaranteed. Jock Landell, Rockets, four years, $32 million. Only the first year guaranteed. Fred Van Vliet, probably the biggest name free agent to switch teams. Three years, one hundred twenty-nine million at the max, right? Third year team option. Mm -hmm. So only only two Uh in like eighty-four guaranteed. That's it. Okay, third year team option. It's a little more than that, but third year team option. We talked we talked on this pod about Kevin Porter only getting one year guaranteed, and the, the Rockets were obviously have a have a strategy about the way they're signing contracts. So when I heard Dylan Brooks, four years, 80 million, and I know yeah. that there were reports out there that it was fully guaranteed. That's fine. I wanted to see the, the numbers. Yeah. Not only is that sucker fully guaranteed,
2: not only is the 80 fully guaranteed, but
0: <laughs> it's $86 million, 86, plus four another years.
2: F- plus another 4 million in incentives.
0: That's right. But I'm only going to talk about the guaranteed yeah. money. Four years, $86 million, and they built it descending. So it starts at the highest number and then goes down. So this first year, it's like $24 million or something. Holy mackerel. Dylan Brooks, take that world. Boy. And the Rockets, I don't know who the Rockets were bidding against to give this offer. Maybe there was somebody out there, but that to me is... I'm still waiting to see. Um, Jeremy Grant just signed his contract today with the blazers. I, so we don't have the, we, and, and the SPN mm-hmm. don't have the data yet. I'm interested to see what that number comes in at in terms of the guarantee. Maybe it'll all be guaranteed. Maybe it'll come in at 175 million. I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just gotta say like, wow. On Dylan Brooks, and, Yeah, you know, because the, the Rockets have, have been doing this stuff and this, this is against the grain.
2: Yeah. And you know, the thing you heard about Dylan Brooks from people during and after that playoff series against the Lakers is man, he he really cost himself a lot of money. Like he he's he's probably going to have to settle for mid level, uh, you know, he, like full mid level twelve point four mil four years. What is fifty three fifty four? That that sort of a deal was what was expected for Dylan Brooks, and he blew that out of the oh, water. Man. And I I don't I don't know I don't know what other suitors he had. I don't know if there was another cap space team that wanted him. Uh, would have made a play for him. It seems like a really high number. More Hoop Collective Podcast after this. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't don't risk it click it or ticket paid for by NHTSA
0: for the ones who get it done ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. All right. Uh, by the way, the, the, t- the trade that got Dylan Brooks to, to Houston ended up being a five-team trade. And so this is rare to see this. Uh, there were six players in that trade. Patty Mills was in the trade. Uh, K.J. Martin was in the trade. Um, there were six players, Garuba. It was two two
2: former first-round picks. I'm sorry, three former for recent first-round picks. First-rounders on rookie deals from the Rockets. Usman Garuba, Ty Ty Washington Jr. going to Atlanta. I right. believe they ended up getting rerouted. Um, to Oklahoma and, City. Yeah, and then Josh Christopher going to Memphis. So three first-round picks. Also, I love these deals where... <laughs> There's the draft rights of two players in this deal, uh, both of whom happen to be the last pick, like the Mister Irre- Irrelevant of their drafts. Right. 2017 Mister Irrelevant, Alpha Kaba K B A, went from Atlanta to Houston. In 2019, uh, Mister Irrelevant, the Clippers sent to Memphis, Vanya. Mirinkovic, and I'm efforting on the pronunciation, not 100% certain. I was not aware right. either, either of those gentlemen existed before I read this thing.
0: Yeah, we don't need to break the trade down anymore. But let me just say it was Oklahoma City Clippers, Hawks, Grizzlies, and Rockets. Six players, two draft right players, six second round picks. A Mo Harkless trade exception was in there. And um, $1.1 $1. $1 million in cash went from Oklahoma City to Atlanta in the deal. All right. So uh, I, let me go over. Way,
2: I, I like the Clippers coming out of that thing with Kenny Martin Jr. Me that, too. I think that's an interesting one. I put him kind of like... in the OB Toppin Jr. Oh, wait, OB Toppin's not a junior, is he? No, he's not. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting my juniors confused. I put him kind of in the OB Toppin category of hey, you know, that man can run, jump, and finish.
1: He's also got a lot more defensive chops than Obi. I really like KJ a lot. I thought that was a, sp- a really slick move by the Clippers um, to get a low cost, um, a low cost athletic guy like that on a team that needs some young, some youth and athleticism. I, I really like that a lot. Yeah, you know?
0: I was also surprised that Fred VanVleet's third year was a team option. Okay, so I want to go over real quick. We have seen in the past that when rookies sign ma- uh, max contract ex- uh, extensions. If they get a player option, more often than not, it leads it means that that guy ain't staying. Yeah. And so I'm going to tell you that Paul Anthony George, Anthony
2: Davis, and uh, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah.
0: Although uh, I think Jason Tatum got a player option, and I would be surprised if he leaves. But just so does, so you know, so
2: does Luka Doncic.
0: Interesting. I'm not. Wasn't aware of that. Uh, all right. Anthony Davis. I'm sorry. Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Halliburton, all of them, no options. Yeah. Full five years, no options in their contracts. Bain's guarantee is the lowest of those. Am I forgetting a, a, a max nope. extension guy? No. Nope. Okay. Um, Bain's guarantee is yeah. the lowest of those, uh, 197 guarantee, but he's got incentives that could knock it up. The rest of those guys all guaranteed at 105 or 205 million. And I think the rest um, of those
2: guys all have super max potential in their deals. Correct.
0: I think so, but I don't have that data right in front of okay. me. Okay. Um, also, Demata Sabonis, he signed uh, that mm-hmm. contract extension. His contract now is five years, 203 million, no options in that deal. He also has 13 million in incentives in that deal. I don't know what the incentives are. Um, one of the other things we heard about Kyrie Uh, irving signing a three-year 126 million dollar deal It's actually 120 million dollars guaranteed and he has six million dollars in bonuses and here are the bonuses that he has each uh two uh, two million per year yeah one million each one million each and they're tied to games played which is not a surprise right Mm -hmm. um so in every in each year he gets a million dollars if he plays 65 games or more which is the NBA's threshold for awards and he gets another million if he plays 58 games and the team wins 50 games or more yeah so I don't know if he cares he's not shown that um, letting a little bit of money go here and there is a deterrent to him so but the Mavericks did build in a modicum of incentives mm-hmm. um, well and we
2: okay. we would have asked Kyrie about that but um, he didn't want to do media. He did show up to the game. didn't didn't want to do media. It informed through a uh, PR staffer, they just wanted to focus on being with the guys, which is his right. Didn't hear from him in exit interviews either. But clearly, uh, he's excited about being back in Dallas. I did get in a little bit of hot water with some Mavs fans slash Kyrie crazies over this uh, this thing because I tweeted out the, those details you just read, and I said these are officially considered unlikely uh bonuses unlikely incentives and then i had a little moment of like wait am i let me let me double check this. so i just deleted the tweet and, and deleted that phrase and just put it back up with just the incentives and oh we saw the first week okay cool um and then i put back explainer. I once I triple check that they're unlikely people got mad that i'm like hating it's like stupid idiots unlikely incentives is the actual term and it's based on That's correct what's happened in the prior season and Kyrie hadn't played 65 games, not just the prior season, but I believe it's the prior four seasons. Um, And obviously the Mavericks didn't win 50 games last year.
0: Everything you said is accurate. Uh, Chris Middleton's contract with the uh, Bucks, three years, 93 million. The last year is a player option, not a team option. Uh, A lot of guys got player options this year. Um, Yeah. But, you know, Middleton getting a player option in there is, you know, a win for him. Uh, he can be a free agent again in two years. So uh, Giannis has two years left on his contract. I suspect that maybe that was part of it, but mm-hmm. I'm not. Who am I? I don't know. Um, so I want to talk real quick about the contracts that Kyle Kuzma and Cameron Johnson signed with Washington and um, Brooklyn, um, uh, respectively. They both got the same guarantee, uh, four years, $90 million. Now, I know Kuzma's was reported as hundred million, Two. two, I think, yeah. Uh, he has 12 million dollars in incentive bonuses mm-hmm. that he can hit. Um, maybe you'll hit all of them, but it's 90 million dollars guaranteed over four. Mm-hmm. No options in his contract, no player or team options. Uh, and then Cam Johnson, also four and 90, he's got more incentives. He's got uh 18 million in incentives, which is a big number over the course of four years. Um, and also no options in his deal. So, both of them. Basically, got the same deal, 4 and 90 plus incentives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, uh, speaking of player options, we talked a minute ago. Um, uh, D'Angelo Russell with the Lakers was reported as it's two years and 36 million. The second year is a player option. He can be a free agent next summer. Um, same yeah. for Joe Ingalls with the Magic, two years, 22 million. Oh, I'm sorry, take that back. Second year team option. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ringles. Sorry, team option. Also, second year team option, Bruce Brown, two years, 25 million. Second year two years, team 40, option,
2: 45 million.
0: I'm sorry, 45 million. Yeah. Gosh. Thank you for
2: checking. Because <laughs> two years, 25, he wasn't signing because he was, if, if that was the case, he'd have gone fullman level for four years for a number of teams, including the Mavericks that would have right.
0: given him. Them- uh, Jakob Pertl with the Raptors, four years, 70. 70- Eight million guaranteed. There's some incentives in there, but 78 million guaranteed. The last year player option. Uh Austin Reeves with the Lakers, four years, 54 million. Fourth year player option.
2: By the way, I was talking to uh somebody in, in a front office, uh, and they said basically, man, we didn't give him that. And we we thought that guy was worth a hundred million dollars over four years. You know, but as far as like putting an offer sheet on the table, number one, they couldn't have gone that high anyways. But just felt like it's a waste of time because the Lakers will match anything. So teams feel like the Lakers would match anything. Ended up saving the Lakers. Uh, What was the number of team uh, you could have poisoned? I thought
0: it was in the eighties. I thought they could. Yeah, so
2: they saved. We'll call it thirty-ish million dollars.
0: Do you agree? Bon Temps said Austin Reeves, if he was an unrestricted free agent, could have gotten a hundred million over.
2: Yes, four years. I, okay. listen, I think he could have at least gotten the Cam uh, Johnson,
1: Kyle. I,
0: that, that I agree with that. I agree with so I maybe think he might've gotten more than, more than
1: those <laughs> guys. He's a ball handling. He's a ball handling uh, wing who can guard a little bit. Like that's a more valuable player. Got, yeah.
0: Got a good size. Vibe, it's
1: a more viable player than those guys. He's younger than those guys. I, I think he would have got a very big number.
0: And just to be clear, the Lakers paid him every dime they could have paid him. This was the yeah. max the Lakers could have given And him.
2: every little bell and whistle that they could have put in there to make it. As attractive as possible, you know, player option, trade kicker, blah blah blah.
0: Russell Westbrook, two years, eight million, second year player option with the Clippers. Uh, one of the more interesting deals: Jordan Clarkson signed a three-year, fifty-one million dollar extension, where they sort of renegotiated and extended. Um, yep. He makes twenty-three million dollars in the upcoming season, and then it drops mm-hmm. to fourteen million the following two years. Yeah. So and so they backwards. were.
2: They had discussed different structures, and that all along was the most likely one reason that it's interesting that that is the structure that they they went ahead and uh, went forward with is because I believe that uses up pretty much all, if not all, of the Jazz's remaining cap space, so they can't make a trade, for example, that they would be taking back significantly more money than their giving um you know just in case they were to to get in the mix for like a superstar point guard who played college basketball in that state that sort of a thing
0: yeah it sounds like the jazz they kick the tires on that but they're very much you know watching from the sidelines at this
2: I, I would say if it is gotta blow the heat out of the water on a deal the jazz will not be doing that if it's wow we can get them for that then I, they would
0: um, Draymond Green, four years, 100 million dollars to the penny. Four let me see, year,
2: let me refresh. I would say they would consider doing it at a, at a price that would be less than you would anticipate. So I, I just don't, I'm trying to avoid aggregation.
0: I understand. I would just say, I would, if the price on Dame Lillard came down, I think a lot of teams might be interested, not just the Jazz, if you know, but anyway. Um, or I shouldn't say a lot, but more teams would be interested. Uh okay, uh Draymond Green, four years, $100 million to the penny, fourth-year player option, aligns his contract. I mean, uh, Steph has three years left. He could, you know, Draymond could opt out. I, I doubt he's opted out of that fourth year, but who knows? Uh, Wiggins has three years left and then has an opt-out. Um, so it's uh, sort of aligned there. Um, I think that was my notes. The other thing I'm going to say is um, the details on the trade – that uh, from the Warriors that they made to acquire uh, Chris Paul um, with Jordan Poole in that deal. The first-round pick that the Warriors sent to the Wizards, uh, 2030 first-round pick, is top 20 protected mm-hmm. for, the, for the first year and then goes to two seconds. So a reasonably heavily protected in for one year first-round pick, and that would not be what, it, what you would call a quote-unquote good first, although who knows what the lay of the land will be in 2030. But the best it could be is 21. And if it, and if uh, if the Warriors are a non-playoff team or whatever play-in team, whatever we're doing in 2030, then they wouldn't get a, a first at all. So um, I think those are my notes. Did you guys notice anything else that you wanted to bring up?
2: You did a great job of covering it.
0: Bond had nothing to say on any of it. He Thanks,
2: Bon Timps.
1: I mean, it was just it was, actually was that's a, pleasant, a lot of reading of numbers. So there that's a
2: that's a pleasant reprieve. You got any more you <laughs> want to
1: talk about if it shuts Bon Timps up?
0: Well, before we go, since we're just talking about the Warriors, Chris Paul had his um introductory uh, press conference with the Warriors today in Las Vegas. I know that it's not exactly surprising and hardly rare for someone to say this, but it looked very awkward to have him holding up a Warriors jersey with number three on it. Just, it didn't even look right. Mm -hmm. He was standing in front of a UNLV backdrop. And, you know, in my head, I think of him as a rocket, even more than as a son. He's a rocket, as I I think of him. And (laughs) him holding up that, it just... With the red background and him holding that jersey up in front of it, which, you know, didn't match like it only accentuated the awkwardness of what it looked like, which he acknowledged. He acknowledged that this was weird that he said that Um, uh, Bontemps, what did you take away from some of the stuff that he said?
1: I mean, you know, I don't really care that he's you know, talking around the idea of, oh, I haven't talked to Steve about not starting yet. I mean, Chris has started, I think, every game of his career, basically. I'm sure he's not knowing Chris. I'm sure he's not going to be ready to just announce he's going to be coming off the bench. He's going to be coming off the bench. Uh, I don't really see any any way that he would be in their starting lineup, nor should he be. And, you know, I mean, like we've talked about, if Chris Paul can play 20 minutes a game for them and give them a theory of an offense with Steph Curry's off the court, which they've never had, I think it could be a successful thing. I think if he's having to play more minutes than that, he's probably going to break down. Won't be that helpful. And the other thing too is they have optionality now to use that contract in a big trade to go get other pieces, to go get multiple pieces, to go get one big time player down the road if they want. And that's what I'm curious to see what happens with Golden State between now and the trade deadline. Is is Chris Paul actually on the team in March? Because, you know, having a giant expiring contract sitting there with some trade ammo, it makes you wonder if that's the direction they end up choosing to go in. But, you know, he's had, he's winning his foul on whatever he's gone. And he's got a chance to fill a role that Golden State hasn't been able to fill this whole run with Curry. And if he can, they got a chance to win a lot of games, but whether he wants to say it now or not, it's going to be coming off the bench.
2: I I care about that. And maybe, maybe it's, it's nothing, but so, our colleague Kendra Andrews, uh, my favorite Andrews sister, asked Chris <laughs> Paul a question that uh, you know, kind of uh, presuming that he would be coming off the bench. And CP3 said, "Uh, you coaching?"
0: Yeah, she asked, like, "What do you think about Jonathan Kaminga? What do you think about yeah Moses the second
2: Williams? unit that you'll probably be playing with a lot, something yeah. like that?" "Uh, you coaching?" and then. You know, There's a follow-up question, and 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 basically that's when he said, you know, we haven't talked about it. It's not like it's just one of those things where it's like you bring that up right away. And it's like, okay, listen, you you understand the the franchise that you're joining, right? You understand that two years ago this starting lineup won a championship, right? You understand that this starting backcourt has won uh multiple championships together, right? You understand that 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 last year, disappointing as it was for the Warriors, their starting five had a net rating of plus 21.9, by far the best in the league of any lineup that that had played that many minutes together. So of course you're coming off the bench. So I just think for you know, there's gonna be so much questions about or, or you know, discussion about, hey, you know how's it fit? How's CP3 fitting? Just from a kind of an ego perspective, you know, him and Steph, they had a rivalry. Draymond had said, you know, he couldn't stand Chris Paul on a podcast a few years back. How how's all that going? So CP3 understands how narratives go. He had a chance to set the narrative today, and he basically punted on it, which I don't I don't understand. Well, why why wouldn't why couldn't Chris Paul say, hey, I've started every single game in my career. And for the first time ever, it makes sense for me to come off the bench. And I'm going to embrace this six-man role. They've got a great starting lineup. You know, There's going to be some adjustments that I'm going to need to make. But trust me, I'm going to succeed in this six-man role and do everything I can to help this championship franchise hang another banner. Why couldn't he set that? Why couldn't he establish
1: that narrative? I thought it was weird because he's – Started one thousand three hundred and sixty-three regular season playoff games out of one thousand three hundred and sixty-three games played. And I don't think Chris Paul was ready to give that a a win to the media in July. Cause that's how Chris why, is. Why
2: is that a win? Who cares? Why why is that? Because I'm not media? I'm
1: not I'm not saying I agree with you. I I would have done that, but this it did not surprise me that Chris Paul sat there and said, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Why would you think I'm coming off the bench? Like you know, I'll say this. Chris Paul has pissed off a lot of teammates over the years
2: and i think that the vast majority of instances and maybe all of them was because he was right and relentless because he is a truth teller and a truth shouter he needs to be a truth teller to himself and understand i've got to be coming off the bench it's best for the team and at 38 years old with significant durability issues Getting my minutes down to the low twenties is definitely best for me as well. He's got to tell himself the truth. He's great at telling other people the truth. Maybe not the delivery, but
0: he also knows the truth. He well, knows the truth. It could have been worse. He, we... he could have said. He could have said, "Who me?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, which, Carmelo
2: Anthony, banana which, boat.
0: Uh, he genuinely was surprised that he was being asked the question in the moment. I believe there was. I was. An authentic reaction. From hey, OP, from, uh... they want me to
2: come <laughs> off the bench. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. Um, all right. Well, good podcast for second week of July with not much going on in the NBA. So, uh, all right. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you to Tim one and Tim two. Oh, wow. Wow.
2: And, uh, How's that feel, you... Bob How does it feel to be Tim Deuce?
1: Didn't say which was which. No, I also which stand. I also stand by the fact that it would have been a hell of a lot better to do that than listen to you guys go back and forth for ten minutes about the different pronunciations of the, the Jalen Williamses. well, those me.
2: those YouTube comments. Uh, I was I was scrolling through looking for the unanimous support for our early December uh, live pod here in Las Vegas. They also. Uh, they they ripped you on that one as well, so you know that was. I don't else? I don't not, read the not, comments. Not not, Thank not you quite for as harshly to- as the uh, the rice cake one, but they they got after <laughs> you. What else <laughs> is it? <there?
0: laughs> Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast.
2: Adios, amigos.